This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Taurus, Makers of the Raging Hunter Handgun. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Double Nickel Taxidermy. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Before joining Larry with today's episode, let's get a few words from Hayden Outdoors, the brand that sells land through our conservation today. When it comes to a choice of whether to graze cattle or not, it really kind of depends what your long-term goals are. Cattle grazing as a whole is not bad unless it's totally overdone and you overgraze the property. But there is a little bit of good in that as well, too, because you remove a lot of the grass cover and then a lot of the weeds and the wildflowers can come up. They've probably been there for a long time anyway. Whether you graze cattle or not, as I mentioned, comes long-term goals. If you're really interested in wildlife, you probably want to carry on a rotational grazing type system, or you may want to totally pull the cattle off of it for a while, such as I've done here on my place. I'm Larry Wysoon, and appreciate you being with us this morning on Conservation Today. Brought to you by Hayden Outdoors, the brand that sells land. Now on with today's episode. Thank you, David Fox, for another absolutely fantastic introduction, and welcome to DSC's Campfires. Campfire today is going to be basically me sitting around telling a story or two, but, uh, you know, next week we've got another absolutely fantastic guest. Last week we had Mr. John Fink with Trigicon, and we'll be visiting with John again in the future. I want to learn more about the bear hunt that he talked about, and, and uh, 
here probably the week after this i am going to have another dear friend on mr jim bequet jim and i go back years ago to when i was the hunting editor if you will for shooting times magazine and for a while we had another publication called handgunning which was john crowley was the editor and there again, I was the, the hunting editor and got to do a lot of different things during those years, testing different guns, ammunition, optics, anything having to do with hunting and shooting and had an absolutely great time doing that for a bunch of years and, and truly honored to have spent time on the staff. At, at one time, we had Mr. Bill Jordan, the, uh, uh, old, if you will, Border Patrolman, who was an unbelievable handgun expert when it came to fast draw and shooting and all those kind of good things. Also on staff while I was there was was uh, Sheriff Jim Wilson. Uh, one of these days I need to get Jim on this podcast. He and I too go back a long way and kind of jointly <clears throat> we were known as the Hats. We were the the two Texans, if you will, on the on the staff with those publications, and dearly loved my time there. And so, come back and visit us next week, and we'll talk a little bit to uh, Jim Bequet. We've had Jim on in the past, but this time I'm going to be talking to Jim pretty much about some of the the hunting adventures he's had, including hopefully about a caribou trip that he made a long time ago, and a, and one year when he shot what was one of the biggest grizzlies ever taken. So. Look forward to having him on and a few stories. And then, too, I've been on the phone with a couple of other guys. I've been around a lot in the past, and hopefully to have those guys on as well, too, and tell some of their hunting stories and, and a little bit about themselves. Once we get them on, I think you'll recognize their names, and you'll certainly recognize some of the things that they've done. This past several weeks, I've had the opportunity to do lots of absolutely most interesting things, including some more writing projects that I'm working on for North American Deer Hunter, the uh, the digital publication that does an absolutely fantastic job. I've been writing a fair amount, too, here as late for Sporting Classics again. Sporting Classics, I used to serve on staff there doing a column called the long hunter and the long hunter referring to somebody who made long trips to to different areas of the world to different areas of north america and particularly with the the some of the things that i've done there the long hunters were those guys who many years ago and they did indeed carry hawking rifles and kind of the era of the fur trade if you will but those guys that traveled around and about and uh, looking for adventure, looking for game, looking for all kinds of good things. They were kind of referred to as long hunters. So going back and doing some things there for those guys at Sporting Classics, and those, public, those publications, those particular issues will be out here very, very shortly and include a little bit about gar fishing, a little bit about some of the hunting I did on some of my own property. And then also I've got a story coming up there as well too about hunting coos whitetail, something I've always and dearly, truly, truly enjoyed. To me, it's kind of a cross between hunting mule deer, hunting whitetail, hunting desert bighorn sheep because of the country that you're in and because how well those little animals, and they are smaller than, than most whitetail deer species or subspecies, how well they blend in with their surroundings and how they earn the title of the gray ghost of the Southwest. And leading in from that is that I first learned about coos deer many, many years ago by reading the pages of Outdoor Life and specifically the stories by one 
Jack O'Connor, who for many years and still should be considered kind of the dean of, of outdoor writing when it comes to doing with anything with guns and hunting. O'Connor was born about the turn of the century in the 1900s and, and kind of was at the right place at the right time from a writing perspective when magazines, talking about hard copy magazines, were the thing. There were many outdoor publications at the time, but the three biggest ones were Sports and Field, Field and Stream, and Outdoor Life. And he for years was with Outdoor Life as their shooting editor and, and more or less as their hunting editor as well, too. And O'Connor came along about the time uh, for serious writing with outdoor writing right about the time of World War II and right afterwards. And when all of our guys got home and, and had learned about guns, those that had not learned about guns while they were in the war. And, and of course, most people then seemingly lived in outdoor situations or in rural areas and pretty much everybody hunted back then. And I would love to see it that way again these days. But during that time frame, O'Connor was a, a champion of, of fine guns. I'm talking about guns that, to me, I consider fine as well, too, being really nice wooded stocks with not so much stainless steel, but primarily blued steel. Optics were just becoming popular at the time, and, and uh, he just was there, as I said, at the right time. But, it, it too, he answered many, many questions, wrote uh about them in in various columns that he did for for outdoor life but then it was one of those things he hunted the world he got to hunt india he got to hunt in asia and pakistan and in iran and and of course in africa and, and he was known all over for are known for hunting all over north america as well too particularly the different sheep species and he may well have been one of the first people to complete what's now known as the Grand Slam, which includes the Doll Ram up in the far north and the Stone Ram in the British Columbia, the Rocky Mountain Bighorn, which kind of runs all the way down into from Canada and in New Mexico. And then the desert sheep that kind of started over on from about Utah, Nevada and ran south all the way down in Sonora and in Sonora, Mexico, that is. But it was through the writing of O'Connor that I learned about the, the coos white-tailed deer. And actually, when you get right down to it, it, it probably should be pronounced properly cows uh, because Dr. Elliot Cows was a surgeon, a field surgeon with the cavalry units many, many years ago. And he was the one who first described that particular little species of white-tailed deer that are subspecies, if you will, of white-tailed deer that exist in the Southwest. And it's also known kind of as Arizona whitetail. I hunted them several times in Mexico and, and uh, down at Sonora and Chihuahua. And one of my favorite hunts ever was able to take three or four really nice ram, uh, just rams. I like hunting desert bighorn sheep because often we were up hunting high in the mountains above the sheep, looked down at some of the top of the pinnacles and, and look down and you'd see desert bighorn sheep and there'd be coos deer up above where the desert bighorns were and then of course the mule deer in, in Sonora, Mexico live pretty much down in, in the flat country. Interesting thing about these little deer, they're, they're really gray, they're really secretive. They just mentioned they blend in so extremely well with their background and a, a big, I'm talking about one that's 
really accepted as a really good antlered buck it will generally have eight points maybe ten points and if you're into scoring it will score about 100 now there's lots of regular white-tailed deer that uh, of different subspecies scattered across North America that will have bigger antlers even as a yearling as compared to what most coos or cows white-tailed deer have when they're mature but I've been fortunate to to shoot some of them and I've been fortunate too to hunt some of the same ranges that Jack O'Connor did many years ago and one of the reasons I keep bringing up O'Connor is there is a Jack O'Connor Hunting Heritage and Education Center up in Lewiston, Idaho it was established there a few years ago and it's it's one of those one of those places that if you're into hunting and you, you into that time frame of the hunting in the 1950s through about the 1970s and even before that it's it's a place you really need to visit and unfortunately i guess these days not many people know jack o'connor uh, as some of those of us who've been been around say at least uh three score uh years uh there was a time when i couldn't wait to get the next issue of outdoor life to to see what o'connor had been hunting and where he'd been hunting and, and listen to his stories he's one of these gentlemen that was a great storyteller but also in so doing imparted a great amount of knowledge about hunting particular species about the land about the guns and he did it in a manner to where a lot of times you learn things you really didn't realize you learned them until considerably later. That center up on the, uh, there in Lewiston, Idaho, is, sits on the banks of the, of the Snake River and uh, uh, Nez County, if you will, of uh, absolutely beautiful, beautiful setting. A lot of O'Connor's mounts that he had, or at least some of them, particularly some of the sheep mounts and some of the, the he's got, there's a couple of different, or maybe even as many as three different uh, uh, tiger mounts that he and his wife, Eleanor, who was also a great, great hunter of, of, of some renown quite well. Actually, she ended up, when we look at the sheep side of things, the uh, biggest sheep that it was taken by the O'Connor family was taken by Miss Eleanor, and it surpassed Jack's best sheep by, by several inches, if you will, particularly in terms of score. And both his and her mounts of those doll sheep are there in that center. Had a great, great time. There, there were three things that really made that event which i was able to attend thanks to dr wayne van zwoll who many of you know is an absolutely outstanding writer not only about guns but from a historical aspect as well too uh several years ago uh, was invited by wayne to be one of the guest speakers if you will at, at the annual event that they have there at the o'connor center and unfortunately for about three years running by the time i got the invite which is usually fairly early in the year i'd already had some other commitments that i could not get out of and so this year things changed i, I had a call from wayne and i told him when he called he said we'd love to have you he said we've been trying to get you there for the last few years and I said, give me the date and I'll exit out on every calendar I've got because this is kind of on my bucket list when you get right down to it. I, I was a great fan of O'Connor, one of my true all-time heroes, not only from a hunting aspect, but from a journalism aspect as well, too. And, and people don't know about it, 
so well, but he was a great conservationist and helping get a lot of different things started that helped to perpetuate habitat and help perpetuate the animals as well. So finally, uh, I found out the date from him and uh, we got it on the calendar and, and, and I was able to attend this year back in the, oh, the early part of the June. Now, every year they have this event, and it's also a fundraiser at the night afterwards, and, and usually it's the, the governor of Wyoming, and it's a keynote speaker of that event, and that was the case again this year, but I want to back off just a little bit, and one of the great things about it, that event is it's kind of a panel discussion. There are usually several writers there, and, and this year I had the opportunity to spend time as one of those writers and uh that got up there in front of the panel in front of a fairly sized good group of people and basically it was a question and answer thing from uh, a couple of different people who had prepared questions they were not given to us obviously until we got there which made it even that much more fun for those of us on the panel but uh was on the panel with a very, very dear friend, Jim Zumbo. Zumbo and I, oh my gosh, we've been friends going on 40 years and one of the true all-time greats when it comes to outdoor riding. Uh, there's a tremendous guy, loves to fish. I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time in the past, never as much as I wanted to, both hunting and fishing with Jim. And of course, a lot of times we bring Rick Lambert, Miranda's dad, the country entertainer, into the picture as well too and between the three of us we kind of call ourselves uh, 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 kind of the three amigos if you get right down to it. We had so much great time with him and to share the time with him and share the stage with him, oh my gosh. Ron Spomer. Spomer and I have been friends almost as long as, as, uh, as Jim and I have and he, too, is one of the, the all-time greats when it comes to outdoor writing, but also one of the really fantastic, bar none, one of the very best outdoor photographers when it comes to anything having to do with hunting, but also with the outdoors in terms of, of bird life. And one of these guys that's got a great sense of humor and all the really kind of good things. I got I used to, to do a, a, a segment on a show called Whitetail Revolution, uh, that he and I would take opposite sides on any question that was sent in and got a chance to sit down with him numerous times. And sometimes what was interesting about that is uh, the, the produ producers would get in questions and they'd say, okay, Larry, you're going to take the pro side of this. Ron, you're going to take the con side of it. And it might have been such that I was very much opposed to what I was discussing, and a lot of times <laughs> Ron was kind of opposed to what he was discussing as being a, a, an advocate of it, but it, it, it made us both probably better writers, better hunters, better conservationists because we did so. Had this chance, like I said, to share many hunts with Ron over the years, never as many as I wanted to. And then for years, I had a show called Winchester's World of Whitetail with Larry Weissoon. Did that show for three years. And three years we did it, it was the, the either the number one or number two rated show in, in all outdoor television and programming, if you will. And when I left, uh, Chris Dorsey and I had sat down and, and uh, I told Chris that I was leaving because it's 
some other projects that I also wanted to work on and some things going on. And he said, you got anybody you want to recommend that we can use to replace you? And I said, there's never a question in my mind. It's got to be Ron Spomer. There's nobody like Spomer that I feel I can do the job or is as knowledgeable and will do as great a job as, as earthly possible to really carry on the tradition of the show. And, and he did for several years. So Ron was on the, the uh on the table there as well too and then also it was tom gresham that most of y'all know tom from gun talk tom also happens to be a, a son of a hero of mine and, and tom too is one of my heroes but uh grich gresham the great grich gresham that for years wrote for sports and field and all kinds of other things was one of the innovators on the old initial tv show when you get right down to that popularized hunting many years ago the american sportsman which was on abc and then he also may remember him from the miller light commercials as well too always wore a very distinctive hat had very distinctive uh sideburns but great sense of humor and and from over in natchitoches louisiana where uh i've had the pleasure of spending a little time and, and sitting down with him and Years ago, uh, digressing here a little bit, but I'd been doing a lot of work with the Budweiser distributors across the country and had, had taken Augie Bush and Augie uh, Four on some hunts and on places in South Texas. And that was about the time, the tail end of, of the Miller Lite thing. And when with the commercials that they had, they approached me about being the spokesperson from the outdoors for Budweiser and oh my good I, th I was truly truly honored and I thought oh is, you know is this the correct career move at the time and so I thought well I'll get in touch with Grace Gresham so through a dear friend uh Wayne Fears who we'll have on here one of these days uh Wayne gave me Grits's phone number. I called Grits, and Grits and I had a long discussion and finally ended up with kind of saying, young man, which I was a whole lot younger then, you're too young to do this right now. He said, it's going to pigeonhole you. I know it's a, a, a great opportunity in a lot of ways. He said, but I see other things coming your way. And he said, that would probably stand in the way of, of you getting to, to do some of the things you'll get to do in life farther down the way. He said, if you were 20 years older or I'd say absolutely, you know, this is the right time. But I always appreciated Grit's advice, and he gave me the right advice, by golly. And, and as I mentioned, too, with Tom, his son, Tom and I have been friends for a long, long time as well, too. And I've had the opportunity to be on this radio show a time or two. And he's been, he was very much involved in a lot of the different outdoor TV work years ago. And, and uh, so I had a chance to, again, revisit and spend time with, with, with Tom. Diana Rupp, Miss Diana and I go back several years. And she, of course, is the editor of Sports of Field and has done an unbelievably fantastic job there. Over the years since she's became editor, I've written several articles for them as a freelancer. And I have nothing but respect for this lady. She is truly a great outdoors person, an unbelievably great editor and journalist and, and one of those ladies who has long been and hopefully will long continue to be a true ambassador for hunting and particularly for getting more and more ladies and, and girls into the, the great sport of hunting. 
The one guy that we had on the panel that I'd never had a chance to meet before was Mr. Don Thomas. Now, without realizing it, I had, I had read a lot of his things. He's been writing outdoor articles and books for a long, long time and was has been very much connected with Gray Sporting Journal, which to me is very similar to Sporting Classics, but in a little bit different way. And to spend time around Don was, was an absolute great pleasure and great honor and between those of us on the front of the panel oh my gosh we got asked all kinds of different questions about how we got into hunting what influence jack o'connor had on our our life on our careers and and you know what what role he played as far as we were concerned in popularizing hunting and many other questions and the answers were, were really interesting uh I, I had my recorder set up unfortunately i had a don't really have problems very often with sd cards but for whatever reasons i had a sd card that would not record or even though it said it was going it was recording it did not so humbly apologize for that because i had some of the the responses from those in front of the table, as far as I'm concerned, were absolutely fabulous. Uh, Swammer was asked a question, and with words, he painted a photograph, if you will, a, a moving photograph, like a video clip or a movie that was out of this world and, and, and showed how truly articulate he is when it comes to not only writing, but, but telling a story as well. And of course, Zumbo is always full of stories and full of knowledge and, and has been able to do so much, particularly in North America. He's hunted outside of North America as well, too, in Africa. He used to go to Botswana, but you don't really hear a whole lot about that because he was kind of Mr. Elk when you got right down to it. It was, uh, oh, Zumbo that years ago started promoting using a, a bugle call. He kind of popularized it and he would take a piece of copper tubing and with that copper tube tubing he was able to mimic the the sound of a, a bull elk bugling and then he also helped develop the the cow calls which really i think a lot of times are are more important when it comes to hunting elk particularly if you had hunting elk during the time when they're fairly vocal and with the cow calls even after they're the bulls are no longer vocal those can play an important role in in uh, getting elk close to you or calming elk down if you're on a stock and of course Jim too has written so many different books and which are out of this world good but that particular group of us that was there that was absolutely fantastic to spend time with those guys and, and the people that are out in the audience and one of the guys that was out in the audience was Joe Arterburn Many of y'all will remember Joe for being with Cabela's for years and years and years. The Sydney mayor, the mayor of Sydney, Nebraska, for a while, too. And Joe is a uh, fabulous outdoor writer in his own right and wrote under his name and some other names as well, too, and wrote back pages on some of the publications and uh, just just really great to spend time with Joe. And never really got to hunt with Joe in the past. Me and I crossed paths a lot of times. Either I was going and hunting camp and he was coming out or I was coming out and he was going in. So, uh, but absolutely a, a great guy. And, and again, all those folks that were there. And, and one of the things that was so special about this event was to spend time with Bradford O'Connor. Brad O'Connor, Bradford O'Connor, Jack's younger son. 
with him and his, his lovely wife and got a chance to really sit down and visit with him. I I'd met Bradford O'Connor several years ago and they were promoting the uh, Jack O'Connor Center. He and uh, Buck Buckner, who really kind of helped put that together. And, and a lot of you know, too, that uh, Buck is, is one of these guys who is truly an authority on O'Connor in that time frame and also very much involved with conservation programs at, at uh, the Benny Crockett Club. But to sit, be able to sit down with, with Brad and let him tell some of the stories of the times that he got to spend with his dad many, many years ago. And a great writer in his own right, who for years was with the newspaper and other things there in Seattle, Washington. But uh, what an absolutely fantastic individual to to spend a little time with and was able to get a photograph of, of, of Bradford O'Connor, Jim Zumbo and me and and. Oh my gosh! Uh, I'm so truly honored to to be and inv- have been involved with that. But like I said, it's been on my bucket list for years to to visit that center and then to be there as a, an invited guest as a speaker. Just oh my goodness! I don't know how to put it in words. To be very frank with you. Now there was another aspect of that as well too. There's an absolutely out of this world Canadian artist named Rick Taylor. Rick Taylor has produced life-size and larger-than-life-size bronzes and smaller bronzes, of course, for many, many years. Uh, I first met Rick years ago when I worked for uh, U.S. operating U.S. companies as herbologist on properties in Texas and Colorado. Got a call one day, and it was Rick Taylor, and he says, I understand you've got some odd dad in a situation where I can study them a little bit and maybe be able to shoot one. And I said, yes, sir, I do. And we talked a little bit, and he says, here's what I'll do. He says, I will donate several bronzes, uh, and then I'll sell one of the, the odd dad that I do to the to the owner of the property if, if we can work out a deal where I can spend four or five days looking at our dad, looking at musketeer and then taking a ram and so I can take him apart and really look at the musketeer and the, the, uh, the, uh, bone structure. And of course, you know, he said the, the horns as well. And then, uh, he said, I love the fact they have the, the main down the front and then the shafts. So I called the owner and, uh, Max and Carolyn Williams and said, told them the same thing. They go, absolutely, we know who Rick Taylor is. We've seen his work. So Rick came down, and he and I spent several days looking for Audad. Now, we had one particular trap, if you will. It was a high-fence place. We had about 60 Audad in there. It was about 100 acres. Half of it was brush. Half of it was open. And it took several days. Thankfully, Rick had several days <laughs> before we were able to really get to see any of them. And then it took two more days after that for us to finally put him onto a ram that he could shoot. And then he and I basically dissected this ram muscle by muscle. And he produced an unbelievably beautiful bronze of it. And the reason I bring up Rick is because Rick has done, uh, kind of followed O'Connor in a lot of different ways. He's a sheep hunter and has taken the Grand Slam several times, and he's produced unbelievable bronze down at Storm, Mexico, and Hermosillo of a, of a desert bighorn. He's done the same thing with a doll ram up in Alaska. He's done the same thing with the stone sheep in British Columbia, and then, of course, the Rocky Mountain ram there in, in the, the Rocky Mountain area as well, too. So they were looking for somebody to 
put together a bronze that they could put out front. And of course, Rick's name came up very quickly. And, and, uh, and again, he had kind of followed O'Connor around in terms of going to some of the same places that O'Connor had hunted in years past. Well, he thought about it for a little bit, and he envisioned with him, and he, he was telling us, he said, you know, he said, I've got sheep, big big horn sheep of different species scattered all over the place in terms of bronzes. And he said, you know, one of the things that, that O'Connor loved to do as well, he said he loved to hunt mule deer. And so he said, I thought about it for a little bit. Of course, Idaho, he said, is, is absolutely known for having produced some of the biggest mule deer in the world. So I decided that the proper animal to do a bronze of for the Jack O'Connor Hunting Heritage and, and Learning Center was a mule deer. So I produced a mule deer bronze, and oh my gosh, did he ever. It's a, it's a time and a half, one and a half life size of, of a big old mule deer who's following the tracks of another one, kind of up a slope. It's a non-typical. And, it is an absolutely fantastic bronze, unbelievably beautiful. And I'm sure that if, if you're interested, you can go to uh, just Google Rick Taylor Bronzes or Rick Taylor Studios, or you can go to the, to the uh, website for the Jack O'Connor Hunting Heritage Center. Uh, and that is just www.jack-o-apostrophe-c-o-n-n-o-r.org, the Jack-O'Connor.org uh, website. And I'm sure there's some photographs there as well of, of that, that particular bronze. I had the pleasure, too, while I was up there to spend time with Lee Newton. Lee and I have been friends for a while as well, too. Uh, Lee used to hunt some of the property that I used to lease years ago in, in Kentucky when he was with Alco Aluminum. But Lee is also one of, well, not also one of, he is, is probably the authority when it comes to Ruger number ones. I've, I've bought several Ruger number ones from, from, from him over the years and hope to buy a few more of them from him as well, too. And, uh, Lee and I were up there together, actually roomed, roomed in the, uh, the, the grand hotel there together. And, and one of the things while we were there, they were closing out the sponsors, if you will, of, the uh, Jack O'Connor bronze that uh, of mule deer that that Rick did, and and while he was there, Lee got to be the last person to be a, a sponsor on that before they closed out to uh, put a bronze plaque out in front of the sponsor. So, Lee, I'm I'm kind of jealous of you. I know you're listening to this. Great to spend time with you, but uh, I wish I could have been one of them on that list as well too. So, congratulations on that, by the way. So that event was an absolutely fantastic time up there. It's an annual thing and generally held, I suppose, in the middle part of June. And good Lord willing, if if I'm not a speaker up there next year, and they switch out speakers every year, so I doubt that I'll be there officially as a speaker. But if there's any way I can slip away and head to that when that event is going on i can promise you i will be there and two if you'd like to learn a little bit more about it as i said the uh, the center is absolutely fabulous filled with mounts filled with memorabilia there's a, a learning center attached to it as well too where they hold all kinds of uh 
of great things, and that's on the Hills Canyon State Park, the Idaho Hills Canyon State Park grounds. Beautiful, beautiful grounds and, and an absolutely fantastic facility. But you can learn more, as I said, by going to www.jack-o-n-n-o-r.org and uh I think you'll be glad you did if you go there because you'll learn a few things about O'Connor and, and some of the great things he did. But uh, what an absolute great facility. They're doing so much good for a lot of different things, and particularly in the promotion of hunting and, and conservation. So if you're not a Jack O'Connor Museum, if you want to call it that member, you ought to consider becoming a member there as well, too. And, and uh Several amenities involved, but what a great group of people and what a what a great facility and, and all the good things they're doing. Got a hunt coming up this year. I've uh, got two antelope hunt coming up and wanna just barely touch on those. Seems like this is the year for me to be to attain some of my bucket list things. The being a speaker as I mentioned at the O'Connor event, but also for years I've wanted to be a on a team of one of the eight teams that they have of three-man teams, I need to add, at the uh, Landers One-Shot Antelope Hunt. Now, this goes back to about 1940 when this was established, and all the monies that are derived from this, there it goes into basically water for wildlife uh, scattered throughout the uh, Wyoming type of area. But I think, too, now they also have expanded some of the uh, to take some of that money to expand it to some of the other states as well too this is an interesting group of people goes back to a lot of the old time cowboys if you will that that uh, not just the real not just the cowboys that played on the silver screen like roy rogers and and uh, robert fuller and and the list is very long there but but also some of the real cowboys like casey tibbs if, if you've seen some of the movies from the 1950s and 60s where there's somebody riding a bronc and horse uh uh buck and horse that is uh pretty good chance if it's a movie or a tv show that casey tibbs was a guy that was riding that horse and playing the part of somebody else they were kind of the stunt doubled or he was kind of the stunt double for lots of different people when it had to do with riding rough stock but lots and lots of people astronauts and governors this year, uh, thanks to the efforts of Chris Sells. Chris is the uh, marketing manager and a bunch of other things for Heim Rifles here in the USA. Fabulous guns. And he somehow or another was able to talk the, the leadership at the One Shot Antelope Hunt to allow us to have a team this year that's comprised of, of Chris Phil Massaro, who uh, is a dear friend and, and editor, among other things, of Gun Digest. And I've done a few things there for him and looking forward to do some more with him. And had him on the stage a time or two at the uh, DSC convention when we did the Meet the Legends. Great, great guy, great writer, great hunter, and, and can't say enough good things. Matter of fact, I got to do uh, the forward for a book that he and his dad co-authored together about about trapping and, and collecting furs. I'm truly honored about that. But the three of us uh, will be called the team, two Texans and a Yankee. And, of course, Chris is from Texas as I am, and, and so that kind of gives you an idea 
where Massaro fits into this as, as, as a Yankee. Still trying to decide for sure which gun I'm going to take. I'm visiting a little bit with, with Chris Sells and about a Heim rifle, but uh, really kind of leaning to a Ruger number one, simply because this is a one-shot antelope hunt. You get one shot, and that's it. You know, either hit or you miss, and, and I'm going to start getting real serious about practicing here very shortly. I will tell you that whatever Ruger number one or whatever Heim rifle, but I really am leaning to that Ruger number one I take, and I've got a choice between a 257 Roberts, a 275 Rigby, a, a 270, a 30-06, a 300 H&H, and a, and a couple of others there that I'm looking at very seriously. A 280, it, 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 right at the top of the list right now, is, is my 280 Ackley Improved. It's got some unbelievable wood on it, which to me would add to that hunt. Of course, I'll be shooting Hornady ammo, and, and the, the rifle will be topped with either a Trigicon Heron or a, an Accupoint. I'm not real sure yet which one I'm going to use there with the, uh, the the bullet compensator thing it's in the the heron uh with the stadia wires below the primary crosshair i'm playing with it a little bit and i need to find out at which range i am proficient at meaning that in this particular entrance i don't think you can use a commercial rest i think you might be able to shoot from prone you might be able to shoot with a uh, using a, a sage bush is is possibly a uh, a rest or from a sitting position or there may be set up to where you can't use any kind of rest other than either standing offhand or or sitting and uh, using that rest and kind of depending on where you're hunting is going to maybe vegetation too tall to to uh, to go prone or even sit so. I've got to start shooting and see which rifle I shoot best at different ranges and then also to determine at what ranges I can no longer put that bullet within about an 8-inch circle, if you will, because that's kind of the kill zone on most pronghorn. That's the, the vital area of the heart and lung area. So got a bunch of stuff like that coming up this year. We've got some other hunts I'm really looking forward to. I'm, I'm being in uh, Baja uh, hunting their version of either the mule deer or blacktail. I'm not sure what the true taxonomy is or on that particular animal, but I'll, I'll be there in October doing the, uh, got a pronghorn hunt coming up in New Mexico with uh, with a dear old friend of mine as well too. Uh, we're hunting uh, Rus Russell Stacy's lease out there, but Ken Darcy, who is the CEO and president of Remington Arms, he and I are going to be hunting together for Pronghorn in New Mexico in August for an episode of Trigicon's World of Sports Field, and then I'll be hunting Pronghorn in September on the one-shot antelope hunt, and October will be going to Baja, and then in between all that and afterwards, I've got a bunch of whitetail hunts coming up this year. Got in on a lease in western Texas that's uh, just outside of Sterling City, which is out west of San Angelo, oh, maybe 40, 50 miles at the most. And uh, that place is under an MLD, which means managed land permit that allows numbers to be determined of harvest by the consulting wildlife biologist from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. But there's a good chance that with as dry as it is out there this year, 
we'll probably have to shoot several bucks and several does to reduce that population to where it can the habitat can handle it handily without uh experiencing death losses due to uh starvation and those kind of things so uh gonna be hunting several deer out there this year and a lot of those i'm gonna be hunting with with my taurus raging hunter in either 44 mag or 454 casul uh topped of course with the trigicon sro or m rmr red dot site and no doubt in the 44 mag i'll be shooting the 240 grain hornady xtp load and probably in the uh, uh 454 uh, probably the 300 grain. I, I'm going back and forth with that and one of the other loads that they have, but that one is extremely accurate. And so I got a feeling those are going to be the choices. And I got a bunch of other hunts from rattling hunts, done a bunch of things this year too, as, as uh, we had hoped with, uh, my partner in H3 Whitetail Solutions, Brandon Houston. Brandon's got a place that I'm going to get to hunt this year, and uh, we're going to take some does and some bucks off of it as well, too. And then, of course, I'll be back on my own property this year, too. And going to try to save that mostly for my my my, my daughters and son-in-laws and, and um, my grandkids, but I'll be out there with them as well, too. So got a lot of things planned. Got a lot of things planned here around the campfire as well, too. We've got some truly, truly special guests coming up. Like I said, hopefully next week we'll have Jim Baquet on. And I want to try to get in touch with Jay Wayne Fears, who was just inducted into the Georgia Outdoor Hall of Fame, and, and uh, rightfully so. And oh, there's a bunch of other old-timers about the same age that I am I want to visit with and, and get them to tell some hunting stories from years past and, and kind of get caught up with what they're doing as well, too. So hopefully you'll join me right here around the campfire. But but before we do, I need to mention, too, that, uh, of course, Hayden Outdoors sponsors a, a segment here on this particular podcast and also the the uh, Sportsman's Life, the TV show that I do with Jeff Rice and, and uh, Luke Clayton uh, called, uh, as I mentioned, Sportsman's Life there on Carbon TV. And, of course, you can get this podcast through Carbon TV now as well, too, which I'm so very proud and pleased to be about, to be there with them. I mean, my gracious, that is the, the site as far as I'm concerned, www.carbontv.com. It is the site for anything having to do with outdoor programming in terms of television type programs and also in terms of the the best outdoor podcast to be had anywhere. And again, truly honored to be there. But as I mentioned, uh, Hayden Outdoors, uh, which is a, the, the brand that sells land. Now that there's a whole lot that goes with that in terms of they've got some of the best, if not the best agents there are when it comes to anything having to do particularly with rural properties these guys are all serious hunters and fishermen most of them have hunted all over the the country most of them have got some biology background either in terms of having managed ranches themselves that they've owned or for others and some of them have degrees in wildlife and some of them just have a tremendous amount of practical experience and that's one of the great things about those guys. If you'll get in touch with any one of their agents and you can just go to haydenoutdoors.com and, 
and no matter where you live and find out who the agent is if you've got land you want to sell they're going to get you the very best price and they're going to get you the very best buyers to where you're going to be really proud that you went through them to get your land sold knowing that it's going to be taken care of in the future of course if you're interested in buying recreational land or investment land or anything having to do with with land outside of the city limits these guys know that land. They know the wildlife populations. They know the everything literally from beneath the ground to the, including the soil, through the vegetation to what animals live there, what the realities of that properties are, what the potentials of that property are. And also we'll tell you that if you're looking at a piece of property with them and it doesn't quite fit what you think and you're kind of on the fence about whether or not you ought to be buying this one or looking at something else they'll downright tell you that hey i don't think it's quite going to accomplish what you want to let's go look at another piece of property and you know that sometimes is every bit as important well actually a lot of times it's more important than say hey you need to buy this you need to buy this you need to buy this kind of thing as i know some other real estate places do so if you're looking for a piece of property uh from anything having to do with wildlife or the outdoors or as i mentioned trying to also sell any kind of property that's outside the city limits uh these are the guys you want to get in touch with they know the land and as i mentioned Hayden Outdoors indeed is the brand that sells land. So get in touch with them and you'll be really glad you did. That That's the one thing I can assure you of. Ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate you being with us around the campfire this morning. It's been an absolutely great time visiting with you folks. And I truly, truly look forward to being with you next time. And like I said, hopefully next time we'll have Mr. Jim Baquet on. And if if not, we'll find somebody else that's almost equally as qualified as he is to talk about hunting trips up north in terms of caribou adventures and in terms of grizzly bear adventures. Look forward to seeing y'all right back here next week. Thank you so much for joining us around the campfire. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by The Crown Bar in LaGrange, Texas, H3 Whitetail Solutions, Remington, Texas Wildlife Association, TRHP Outdoors. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.